When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. Let's do a little Green and Gold History top 10. Players who played for the A's and the Yankees. Yeah, A's and the Yankees. And this is, you know, A's and Yankees, players who played for both. This goes back to the Kansas City days, really. For a while there, it seemed like the Kansas City A's were the Yankees' farm team. Where did Roger Maris come from? He came from the Kansas City A's. Where Joe DeMastri came from? Came from the Kansas City A's. It just, there was like a pipeline going on. And it's continued, you know, even now with the A's in Oakland. Uh, a lot of great players have played for both organizations, and a lot of players overall have played for both teams. Yeah, uh, There's a long list of uh, notables or honorable mentions in this category because I was looking at guys who were, were good for both teams, right? Just not you had to be good here and then you played a few games over there. No, you had to be good for both teams except for maybe my number 10 on this list. But everybody else is really good. But there, like I said, there's a lot of guys. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and, and don't forget, it was my grandfather who was named the ninth manager of the 1960 Kansas City A's. And as my family, my grandfather was taking my mother, my grandmother, and my aunt, and they were little girls, and driving to Kansas City. When he pulled up to Kansas City, it was Charlie Finley had told him, I've just traded your best player, Roger Maris, to the Yankees. And let's just say my grandfather got in a major fight, according to my grandmother, with Charles Finley, uh, which uh, with the uh, Charles Finley, and the relationship never survived after that. Yeah, all of a sudden he wasn't going to be as smart as manager as he thought he was going to be, because all of a sudden you don't have the player who's going to go on to win not only one MVP but back-to-back MVPs with the Yankees. People don't realize that Roger Maris hit his 61 home runs in '61 and won the MVP. He won the MVP in 1960 as well, the year before. That's how good Roger Maris was. Yeah, kind of like you. There's certain players that we now look back on. I was just mentioning another guy the other day, like Lou Whitaker. That oh. guys are not in the Hall of Fame. You go, wait a minute. I'm looking at Lou Whitaker's WAR. It's well over seventy, uh, and we now think over sixty as a Hall of Famer. There's certain guys in Maris's there. There's plenty of guys that we can go really look. I mean, they used to try and say Tim Raines was an Hall of Famer. You're like, really? All right. Uh, do you want to start honorable mention? Yeah, these are some guys just. Players who played for both teams, uh, and you, throughout the week when you've been promoing this, I know you mentioned a bunch of these guys, but Ruben Sierra, <laughs> Eric Chavez. How about Willie Randolph? He was the A starting second baseman in the 1990 oh. World Series, Yankee World Series champions back in the 70s. David Justice here for the Moneyball A's. Burt Campanaris, you know, and Dave Rigetti's no-hitter for the Yankees on July 4th. Burt Campanaris was the starting third baseman for the Yankees that day. Campy, A's wow. great shortstop. Starting third How baseman. old was he? He was uh, 74 years old, and he uh, could field everything. He was he was fantastic. No, I, he was he was in his late 30s. I, he might have been even 40 by that point. Yeah. Um, 
And for Bert Campanaris, that set the record. He had appeared in the most no-hitters, whether for or against, the most combined no-hitters in a career, Bert Campanaris. Uh, other greats, Mike Gallego, Hideki Matsui. Hall Godzilla. Of, Hall of Famer, Goose Gossage. Uh, the before-mentioned Tim Raines, who came here in 99. Uh, Johnny Damon. Danny Tartable. We can just mention guys who were appeared in Seinfeld. Um, yeah. Ken Phelps, mentioned in Seinfeld. Uh, Bartolo Colon. Obviously, Sonny Gray. Uh, Mike Blowers, who came up earlier this week. Um, Dave Rigetti, who had a forgetful time in this A's bullpen after being a great Yankee closer. And uh, Tommy John, who came yes. here in, uh, in 85 and was old then and then went on to pitch four more years for the Yankees solidly as, as an even older pitcher. Is, the, is he the biggest crime not to be in the Hall of Fame? The fact that he won 288 games, he has well over 100 no decisions, and it's him proving a, having the surgery, proving that it works, that has changed all these young players' careers and lives and kept them going. Is it a travesty he's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame? It really is now, especially with Jim Cott being in there, because Jim Cott and Tommy John's career were very similar. The left-handers who pitched a long time. But like you said, Tommy John had an effect on this game that is ongoing, you know, 50 years later, that if it wasn't for Tommy John being the first one to go through the surgery, to have a surgery named after you, uh, that is a consistent mark on baseball for, you know, a, a notable achievement in the game, besides being an excellent pitcher for a long time. Yeah, Tommy John needs more consideration for everything that he contributed to the game. Because let's be honest, let's say that surgery did not work on Tommy John. You don't know what happens to it. I mean, you want to think that, well, we'll try it again, but Tommy John made everybody go, okay, I'll try it. Yeah, they saw the success that he could have with it. Right, here was a guy who comes back after basically a year and a half out of the game and is good. And he's he was an older pitcher even at that time. And again, that gives hope to everybody because you know, you heal faster when you're younger and then the surgery just gets better and better, but it had to be the first guy. And he was the first guy. It's named Tommy John surgery for a reason. All right, number 10. Oh, number 10. Well, maybe this one's really number 11, and that's Jose Canseco. Cuz you just got to love Jose. Jose is a Yankee. 1998 World Series champion, Jose Canseco. Close. 2000 World Series champion. Was it 2000? It was 2000. And this is just. <laughs> I knew he was on one of those teams. And the Yankees shouldn't have even had him. The Tampa Bay De uh, Devil Rays at the time were trying to trade him. And this is the waiver claim. So the Yankees put in a waiver claim to block him being traded anywhere. And the Rays just went, uh, you take him. And all of a sudden, Jose Canseco's a New York Yankee. And the A's happen to be in New York when he shows up. And it's just, it was the oddest thing. Here's Jose as a Yankee. Uh, he ended up playing against left-handers down the stretch, killed Mark Mulder, hit two homers against Mark Mulder that are still going. Uh, only got one at bat in the World Series. He struck out, but he's got a Yankee World Series ring. And we know how great an A he was. Uh, he got a World Series ring with the Yankees. Jose Canseco makes the uh, number 11 on the list. Number 11. Okay, i got to cross that out then. Number 11. We're doing top 11. Well, maybe not. All maybe right, my thing just uh, – I think he's number 10. My thing just added a number there. I guess they wanted Jose to be 11. Okay, <laughs> so he is 10. He's 10. All right, number 9. Number 9 is Luis Polonia. Mm. You know, Luis came up with the A's, 
and he was the A starting left fielder in the 88 World Series, and he had a good year in 87, hitting 287, and uh, 88, 292, 24 stolen bases. He was a very good leadoff player, uh, leadoff hitter, a terrible defensive player. His glove was about two sizes too big, and he still couldn't catch anything with it, and he had no arm, and he had no idea where to throw the ball. A's broadcaster Lon Simmons would lose his mind when Polonia would, would throw to the wrong bases. But they ended up you know, trading for the Yankees in the, in the Ricky trade, and he ends up having three tours of duty with the Yankees, 89-90s, bad Yankee teams, 94-95, they're starting to get good, right? They, the wild card team in 95 comes back. He's on that 2000 World Series team with Jose Canseco, hits 296 that season for the Yankees, a great pinch hitter. He had been in multiple World Series with the Atlanta Braves. It was like October baseball in the late 90s. Couldn't happen unless Luis Polonia was on your team. It's just one of those odd things. It's the World Series. There's Luis Polonia. Yeah, and and you know he was he was actually pretty good. What would then would be the California Angels, very good right? California he was a California Angel. Yeah, he was a, you know a guy with not a lot of power, but your typical leadoff guy who would slap the ball, get on base, and steal bases. Um, you know, obviously he had the Jerry curl going on in the hair. He had some off yeah. the field issues that uh, are not good. But as a baseball player, uh, he was a dependable little leadoff hitter that had a lot of success. All right, Lon Simmons. If Lon Simmons, because I'm watching batting practice right now here in San Francisco, which is right to your left right now, uh, Ruiz is in the cage hitting. If Lon Simmons watched Ruiz play center field, throw to the wrong bases, and take the routes, how do you think Lon Simmons would feel about Este Uri Ruiz? Yeah, he would. some of those routes in Toronto he would not have been a oh. big fan of. Um, I know oh. he's still learning out there, and I know they're working on him. They got to find a happy place, whether it's playing in or playing back. I mean, we saw when Christian Pache was here how shallow he played and what a difference that made. I mean, he's robbing hits because he's so comfortable going back on the ball. Hopefully, that's what you want to get Ruiz to be eventually. But right now, he doesn't look comfortable anywhere out there. He didn't look forward coming forward, back, left, or right. Right. And throwing the ball doesn't always know where to go with it. So no. it, it is what it is. All right, number eight, Claudel Washington. You know, I just – I can't talk enough about Claudio. I thought he was such a good baseball player, obviously coming up as a 19-year-old with the A's. Uh, he ends up with the Yankees in 86-88, and these are good Yankee teams, teams that just missed being division winners. But he was terrific for them. Uh, 308 average, 11 home runs in 1988, just a solid baseball player with those, you know, close hanger shoulders, uh, can spray the ball anywhere, great defender, never threw to the wrong base. Just a tremendous – you know, competitor, teammate, everybody loved Claudel, and, and we miss him not being with us today. Yeah, he was a really good player for a long time. He was like even like because because a lot of the a, a lot of what like a, people will remember is I mean I was I was too young, but when I was growing up, I mean he had runs. I'm just looking at it now. You think about the Braves, the Angels, the Yankees. I mean, he was, I was too young for when he was an A, but I remember when I was a kid, he was a player. He was a player, and the reason, you know, Joe Rudy moves to first base because Claudio Washington needs to be on the field. He needs to be in left field. Uh, for a 19-year-old kid, that's what they did. And in the World Series in 74, he goes, what, four for seven in that World Series? Uh, Claudel coming up at a young age, head on his shoulder, solid professional, great ball player. It's what we don't have enough of, right? 
It's going to give you some average, going to give you some power, going to give you some speed, can drive and runs. There's a lot of different things. Like, we're now, because of data and exit velocity and barrel rates and everything, we're all looking for, like, the perfect mashing. It's like, this is still a sport. This is a game. You need to win a game. you got to score more runs than the other guy, and you got to get 27 outs. Well, how do we win a game? You win a game. Star players help, but you need guys that are solid just players who do winning things. Yeah, you need professionalism, right? You need that guy, a veteran player, professional, who other players can look to and go, that's how it's done. That's how we play the game. You need that. You need that player uh, to emulate. And, you know, unfortunately on this Oakland A's team right now, there's not a lot of veteran leadership. You know, there's, there's Tony Kemp and Jace Peterson, but there's not a lot. And you need you need a player like Claudel. I really do think on most winning teams, you need a player like Claudel, that type of professional player that other players can bounce off of. All right, number seven. Oh, Scott Brocious, <laughs> MVP. And, and that you know, we, when Greg Papa was the A's announcer, and Scott Brocious gets traded to the Yankees after a brutal '97 season where he hit 203. He gets traded to the Yankees for Kenny Rogers. And Greg Pop and I joke that Scott Brocious is going to win the World Series MVP and he's going to open a bar in Manhattan. He's just going to call it Bros. Half of that came true. He won the MVP in 1998 for the Yankees. I, he didn't open the bar, Bros. But what a perfect name. It would have been perfect. He would have been the king of New York. But he was too much, too much organ in him, so he just went home after playing. But Brocious, who was broken with the A's and was a good player, had the awful 97, gets traded, and then is just a terrific Yankee. Three-time World Series winner. World Series MVP again in 98. Hits two home runs, eight for 17. Hits the big home run in 2000 in the ninth inning against, or 2001 against Byung-Hum Kim. Remember to, to, to put the A's, yeah. uh, to tie that game up. He um, was a tremendous Yankee. A really a fantastic career after struggling with that 97 season. And then he's a terrific Yankee. Best team you've ever saw. Would you say 98 Yankees? No, the best team I ever saw that didn't win anything was 2001 A's. Uh, but the 98. I'm not <laughs> saying didn't win anything. I'm I saying know. best team you've ever seen. Best team I've ever seen. Oh, that's, that's too hard. But I really liked the 2001 A's. I really did. I thought they could have done some magical things uh, if it wasn't for some Jeter play. Uh, but the 98 Yankees were very good. Uh the thing that the 90, we talk about professionalism, that was a Tim Raines team, right, where Tim Raines is on the bench. He's a bench player, but he comes off and he has big moments. Daryl Strawberry comes off the bench, has big moments. That, that's what makes a championship team. So you have your core four, right, Yankees, right? You know, your Prasadi, yeah. your Jeter, uh, Mariano, Pettit, Wells Cohn, Bernie Williams, and then you have these bench guys who fill it in, and they just had a feeling that they were going to win. I mean, when they went down in the LCS to Cleveland two games to one, and everyone's panicking. There was no panic in the Yankees. They knew they were the best team that they were going to win. Um, that's what's special about that team. I hate them, but it was a machine. Uh, it was a 98 team. Yankees. Like Dave Stewart has talked about, because people forget he was the pitching coach for Bruce Bochy and the Padres that had a very good team. You go look at that lineup and yeah. the great players that they had, and and Dave will just tell you, I mean, that 98 Yankees team was just, it was just a machine. It was the perfect, you had young core guys that are coming into their prime with just a bunch of just veteran guys who all bought in to win a championship. It's the construction of the team, the way they played, It was that they were a monster. They were, and if Mark Langston got the strike call on, on Tino Martinez, two, two. it would have been a whole different World Series in my opinion. 
Number six. Nick Swisher. Swisher-licious. Swish-alicious. Again, another solid athletic on, a, on playoff teams here. Him and Frank Thomas were a dynamic duo in 2006. I mean, Swish hit 35 homers in 2006 for the A's. 95 runs batted, and it looked like every time Frank would hit a homer, Swish would hit a homer. Then he goes to the Yan he goes to the White Sox, but then he goes to the Yankees. Wins a world championship with the Yankees in 2009. Uh, it was a good player for them. Hit a home run in the World Series. He had 20-plus home runs every year with the Yankees. A solid player. Now he got a lot of flack in New York because he's swish and he talks, and you're never quite sure what you're getting there. And, you know, he's, he's from Ohio, and he's got a little country in him. So I don't know if he ever really fit in, and fans love booing him. But he's a World Series champion in New York. Nick Swisher ever have a bad day in his life? Never. Never. No. I remember being at the Coliseum Arena for a Billy Joel concert, right? Billy Joel. And there's Nick Swisher. Nick, how are you doing? Goes, I have no idea who this Billy Joel is, but I had a great time. Wow. <laughs> I, it wasn't that long ago. He was at the... He was at the Coliseum. We got we got him to do some promos in the back of the press box. Bro, 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 no problem, bro, bro, bro. You know, and he's hugging you, and it's like, yo, man, it's so good to see you. And it's like, this dude hasn't changed at all. No, and legit. I mean, I still – there's another thing I remember about Nick because he was a guy who was a son of a big league ball player, been around big league cup houses, is a major leaguer. And I remember we were outside of a, of a bar one night down in Southern California, and there was a line. And uh, someone said, hey, we can get you around. And Nick's like, no, man, I'm standing in line just like everybody else. And he was legit. It wasn't trying to show off. He was just, he didn't, that's what he was doing. You stand in line. That's what you do to get into this club. That's, that's a real Nick, dude. Nick Swisher, number five. Number five. Oh, speaking of real dudes, uh, Kenny Rogers. The gambler. The gambler, who was a fantastic athletic, right? He never lost to the Coliseum as an A starting pitcher. 15 and 0. 15 and 0. And this is what the A's got in return for Scott Brocious. Now he was a good Yankee. He was a World Series champion with the Yankees in 96. Went 12 and 8. But it's so important for that A's team to have Kenny Rogers in 97, 98. Kenny Rogers and then eventually Tom Candiotti giving this veteran leadership to a very young, very inexperienced pitching staff. But he was a guy who would take the ball every fifth day and he would compete and give you a chance to win. Now, he is a little weird. Kenny was definitely weird, and he had some demons going on, and he threw a punch at Jason McDonald once in an elevator in Toronto. But, hey, you know, those things happen. Things get heated over card games. Sure, no doubt about it. And, and the, the gambler was a really good Texas Ranger, too. He was a good team. Threw a perfect game. You know, yeah, I, I got it. I got into it with Cody at a spring training one time when he was still. Degrom is the greatest thing we've ever seen. I said, "Give me the gambler. <laughs> I'll take his innings. I'll take his career." Little did we know. Hey, is Degrom throwing this week? Yeah. When does he pitch? Uh, I think he's. I think we'll be pitching uh, next week. This time <laughs> in two years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I know if the gambler was playing, I'd still be getting seven, eight innings from him every single night. All right, number four, Jason Giambi. Nah. Now we're getting into the real guys, right? These are stars for both teams. I mean, obviously, Jambi with the A's was a career 300 hitter, 198 home runs, MVP. He was a really good Yankee. Now, they thought about him being a Hall of Famer going to New York. and they Yeah, asked that, I would say if, if, if I went to a diehard Yankee fan, expectations, contract, if I went to a real diehard Yankee fan and I said Jason Giambi, I don't think I'm getting a whole lot of uh, nice things. And that's true. 
and you'd have to go look at it. And you go, okay, 2002 is first year, 314, 41 homers, 122 RBIs. Next year, average drops because now he's got that Yankee Stadium thing. His swing Trying to pull everything. Bit. Still hits 41 homers, but hits 250, drives in over 100. Hit 209 home runs as a Yankee. Uh, he's but a as you keep going, it keeps going like it this. It starts to drop a little bit, and then he starts and having some injuries. And the health problems hit. 2003, he has to miss a World Series game because he's got the health problems. So it doesn't end on a high note there. But overall, when he was able to be on the field, first two years, terrific, starts to struggle a little bit, still hits over 200 home runs as a New York Yankee. They're not retiring his number. He's not going to the Hall of Fame, none of that. Solid career, though, for, as a Yankee. And end up having a great career at the end as being a veteran leader to where we were all talking about should this guy be looked at as a potential manager someday. And now he's made so much money. He's got his kids. He's in Vegas and all that. But there was a lot of talk at the end in like Cleveland and Colorado and these different spots like, man, Giambi could be a great manager. Yeah, they just wanted him on the team. Terry Francona just wanted him on the team. You know, and in Colorado, they just wanted him on the team. Uh, it was amazing to hear these, these these other managers from other teams talk about, we just want him in the clubhouse to be part of this team. Uh, he was a pinch hitter, still come up with some big home runs, but such a pro, such a good person. Uh, Jason Giambi is, is, for me, of all the players uh, since I've been a grown-up that I've dealt with working with the A's, he is number one in my book for just being a outstanding human being. Number three, Catfish Hunter. You know, Catfish with the A's, you know, ending his career here with the, you know, the four straight 20-win seasons, uh, becoming the first real free agent after Charlie wouldn't pay his annuity. Uh, just a mess. But he goes out there and he signs with the New York Yankees, which, again, for a country boy from North Carolina like Jim Catfish Hunter, that was something to go to the big city like that. And he fit right in, right? 23 wins right away. 17 wins the next. World Series titles after that. Catfish Hunter. Just to, you know, people look at his numbers and they go, how was this guy a slam dunk Hall of Famer? Because you had to be around. That was one of those guys you had to be around during that time in the 70s when the best pitchers in baseball were Tom Seaver, Jim Palmer, and Jim Catfish Hunter. They're, they were so far above everybody else, right, at that time. And he, he proved it in New York. Went out there, makes all his starts, uh, complete games all over the place. He was the epitome of a 1970s pitcher who's going to make 35 starts and throw close to 300 innings. I I, I, I am shocked he is not in the top two. And I know who's going to be in the top two. And you're going to have to give me a re because when you talk catfish, you're talking championships at both teams. Yep. And one of these other guys, I, I, I know who I think should be number one, no question, because I'm going to need more than just stats for this other guy who I know you're going to put on there. So you're talking number I'm two. I'm going to need more than stats because I know because I know when I – this is where it gets into Chris Townsend's now getting older. <laughs> and Chris Townsend's really paying attention. And when I was getting older paying attention, Yankees sucked and didn't win anything. They were perennial, never going to the playoffs. So – Who's number two? Number two is Ricky Henderson. Thank you. If you went him number one, I was, I was, I was, I would get me off this computer. Coming through the screen, ring style. No, he, uh, Ricky, we don't need to talk about his A's career. His 1985 season, his first year with the Yankees, 314, 
146 runs. <laughs> 146 yeah. runs. Yeah. 80 steals out of 90 attempts. You know, they didn't have the disengagement rule. They didn't have the bigger bases. This is 80 out of 90. Oh, 24 homers, too. Just throw that out there. As your leadoff hitter playing center field for the New York Yankees. Ricky was everything they could have hoped for. Why they didn't win, why they didn't win the division, there's no wild card, is because they didn't have the pitching. But you had the offense with Ricky, Winfield, Mattingly. Johnny Baseball. This was an amazing, amazing offensive team. And Ricky was at the forefront of it. I, you know, 146 runs, that was the most any had won had scored since 1949 when Ted Williams, Ted Williams scored 150. And people didn't do this. This was unheard of. And again, when Ricky was in New York in 85, especially, Billy's his manager, Billy Martin. Ricky was always at his best when Billy was his manager. Look at 87 when Lou Pinella's the manager. Not so good. Lou Pinella couldn't understand Ricky. Thought Ricky was faking an injury, or as he said, jaking it. Ricky's jaking it. Ricky had a torn hamstring, literally off the bone hamstring, and Lou Pinella wants him to play. Are you kidding me? But when Ricky was on the field and when Billy was his manager, like in 88, big numbers, big time. He was the Yankees' all-time stolen base leader. The all-time Ricky was only there, for, what, four and a half years? 326 steals, all-time. It wasn't until Jeter, who played, what, 20 years, ends up yes. passing him. I, mean, I was going to bring this up. It was at the end of Jeter's career, and I don't know if I'm watching if I was actually watching the game or it was in MLB Network. They go, Derek Jeter is now the all-time stolen base over Ricky. I was like, what? <laughs> Ricky Henderson was only there a few years. It took Jeter over 20 years to catch Ricky. That tells you how great Ricky Henderson. And Ricky was just he was, and you know, again in New York, it's not for everybody, right? And Ricky and the media, they didn't always get along. Uh, Ricky. You know, he struggled to express himself properly at times, and the New York media took a, took advantage of that. They took advantage of Ricky a lot. But when Ricky could play and when Billy was his manager, he was he was the best. Things changed, though, for Ricky as a Met because then they started loving him more. They loved him. They loved because now he's the older guy and he's funny yeah. and he's doing great things. Now, but what happened during the playoffs when he was playing cards, was reportedly playing cards during the last out, then everybody didn't like Ricky anymore. That did not happen. He was not playing cards in the clubhouse while the Mets were being eliminated. But that was the story that got out. Again, Ricky, though, another one who was mentioned on Seinfeld. So we, we have a few of these guys. All right, number one. I mean, he didn't he – didn't, they asked him, did you come to New York to be a star? He said, no, I'm bringing my star to New York, the straw that stirs the drink. Oh, Reggie. Jackson, uh, you know, uh, did you see the documentary on Amazon? Uh, the Reggie no, is it good? It is really good, and it's really worth watching. One of it because they have some footage, and I thought I've seen like every old Oakland A's footage that existed. They had footage I had never seen before, stuff with the A's uh, back in the late '60s here at the Coliseum, and it was, it's beautiful to see. Reggie's telling stories. He's been a very much in a reflective mood as he's gotten older. Um, Fantastic A, gets traded to Baltimore, and then as a free agent, signs with the Yankees. You know, takes the walk down Madison Avenue with George Steinbrenner, Steinbrenner, and he's trying to tell him how this is it. I mean, you're going to own this town, Reggie. You're going to own this town. Fans yelling at him, Reggie, you got to come here. And he did own that town, right? Goes to the World Series and hits the three home runs. 
overcomes the straw that stirs the drink line from Sports Magazine, right? Pissing off Thurman Munson, who was the captain. You know, he's not. I'm the st- straw that stirs the drink. Or later when they asked about what were you thinking out there, Reggie, and he goes, the magnitude of me. <laughs> Who even thinks that? But that's awesome. The magnitude. I got to use that. Some of it, we got to figure out how to use that in life when someone goes, Townsend, it's the magnitude of me. (laughs) What you thinking, Chris? Yeah. The magnitude. I mean, just, and just, you know, the World Series in 77 and 78, even when he strikes out the dramatic game two against Bob Welch in the 78 World Series, he strikes out swinging with a big swing. The kid strikes him out. People are making poems out about it. Uh, and he comes back and hits a home run against Bob Welch in game six. I just, it's Reggie. It's just fantastic. He was made for New York. He really was. And you think about his career, 563 home runs, uh, the time with the Angels coming back to the A's. What a fantastic Hall of Fame baseball player and personality. Just perfect for the times. Perfect for New York. Steinbrenner, Billy Martin, getting in fights in the dugout. I just, there's nobody bigger than Reggie. It was great for baseball. I mean, next, I mean, they made a candy bar after him. He was in movies. He was talked about. I mean, still to this day, everybody remembers him in the Naked Gun. Now, the interesting thing about Reggie. Now, obviously, we have guys that and gals who are watching this program and who watch it later on on YouTube, who are younger than we are. So I always like trying to take that into perspective here because I do not remember Reggie Jackson as an A. I was really little and start to, you know, sports as he was a Yankee, but he was starting to be on his way out. The majority for me, and you think about my age, it was Reggie Jackson was an angel. He was a California angel, right? He had the glasses. He was a DH. He's getting half the gate or whatever his contract (laughs) was. I mean, he was a star, but you saw the videos. The one thing that I wish I would have saw, because people don't realize that Reggie Jackson was also going to Arizona State to play football, is what a great athlete Reggie Jackson was. I remember the first time I played down at Arizona State at their old field on campus, and you saw the retired, you saw Bando, you saw uh, Bonds and, and those guys, and you saw Reggie's number retired. You realize Reggie was a, not only was he a power guy, but, you know, because we all, all we had seen growing up was home runs and strikeouts and thinking strikeouts. Reggie Jackson was a phenomenal, when he was playing for the A's, was a phenomenal athlete. He was. And I think you got a taste of that if you ever watched the last out of the 77 World Series when Reggie has to run off the field after Dodgers pop out. And he's knocking the crap out of fans who had charged the field. And you could see his moves. And this is, this is an, a little bit older Reggie, right? This is 28, 29-year-old Reggie. And he's got these moves that are unbelievable, knocking the crap out of fans. Imagine him on the football field running the ball like that at you. He was tremendous athlete. You're right. When he got to the California Angels, a little older Reggie, not quite as mobile. Still got the Angels to the playoffs in 82, got the Angels to the playoffs in 86, comes back to the A's. And this is what I remember about his 87 with the A's. He wasn't a great player. Uh, basically DHing against right-handers. But the A's have a Monday night game, an ABC Monday night game. Right. National TV. This was the only national TV going, right? Reggie's in the lineup. Reggie's slumping. First pitch to Reggie, home run. Because when, when the lights turn on, Reggie turns on. I mean, he was just built for the biggest stages, and he always came through. 
Yeah, go to baseball reference. You can't find any data that talks about clutch. Well, just follow Reggie Jackson's career. Just big time. Tell, big tell me clutch is not your genes. Uh, yeah, tell Tiger Woods that. Tell Jack Nicholas. Tell Michael Jordan. Tell certain people that there's no such thing as clutch. You'll be like, uh, I'm not buying it. Quickly, go back over your top ten players who play for both the A's and the Yankees. We start with Jose Canseco, just because Jose Canseco is a Yankee. Unbelievable, and a World Series champion at that. Uh, Luis Polonia, number nine. Claudel Washington, number eight. Scott Brocious, who missed the marketing, opened the bar named Bros. You have made a fortune in New York. Uh, Kenny Rogers, Nick Swisher, Jason Giambi, Catfish Hunter, Ricky Henderson, and Mr. October, Reginald Martinez Jackson. And that is another top ten for green and gold history. Mr. Feldman, always great to have you on the program. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Downey. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.